everyone and welcome back to Love, Sex and Magic. And today you are in for a juicy episode all on self-care, motherhood, entrepreneurship and financial empowerment and so much more with my guest Ishkara Lawrence. Ishkara is a mama, an entrepreneur and a champion for mental wellness and self-care. She has built an organic devoted following of more than eight million people across her social channels. She's the founder of the Self-Funding Planner, a tool she created to help people invest in themselves, and Soltair, a body care brand where everybody is welcome. So we dive into so many topics in this episode, um, motherhood, entrepreneurship, social media, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. Welcome, Ishka, to Love, Sex, and Magic. I can't believe I'm here. (laughs) Oh my God, I can't believe you're here. I mean, I think we should just start this episode by like taking it back. I know. And just talking about like where where we both were when we first met each other and just Mm -hmm. who we were back then. Gosh, what do you remember about that time? (sighs) So I remember we were both determined and motivated Mm -hmm. right you know we really were trying to do what we loved even from a young age yeah um but I do remember that I think we both felt like we weren't enough in the Mm -hmm. sense of we were in an industry from a young age that told us that we had to be thin and that was the only way that we were going to succeed um and the competition the being surrounded by different body types, different sizes, and being Mm -hmm. young and not knowing how to form our own sense of self yet Mm -hmm. was so tricky because I think you just are naturally comparing yourself to everyone around, even friends, Mm -hmm. and thinking like, oh, I wish I had her legs, or I wish I looked like this, or I, and I think we were both battling that but also trying to not admit it and just get on with it and just try and chase our dreams. Um, But it, yeah, it was a brutal world from a young age, I guess. Yeah, I remember us being in that modeling circuit in the UK and us being like, um, yeah, I think just like so hard on ourselves Mm. with all of it. But also what I remember is we were based in the Midlands and we were kind of all over the place with different agencies that we were working with. So what I remember about that is it was almost like we had developed our own businesses. That's true. In that industry. Because we were navigating like working with different agencies, different clients. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like we were running our own business. We were. We were our own brand. We were our own business from like what, 15? Yeah. Um, I had started modeling at like 12 and a half, I entered a competition. Then 13, I got signed by Storm in, in the UK. Um, but that never really went anywhere because mm-hmm. they just kept testing me and I was on like models to watch and I just never fitted in the sample size when I eventually did do test shoots and runways and stuff. So it wasn't until I found the commercial side, which was more where me and Mel are from in yeah. the Midlands, that I was started to work and earn a little bit of money. And yeah, you have to figure out quickly about saving, about investing, about picking, I guess, which jobs you want to do, which you Mm -hmm. don't. Um, I remember being very aware that there was different statuses of being a model, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'd had a taste of like Storm, which was editorial and which was really kind of valued as being a successful model. And then we'd had a taste of like flyering on the street, which mm-hmm. was, they you were still modeling for like a brand, but it was just very different. And yeah. I guess it was humbling because I think we both knew what we wanted, but we knew that we were gonna have to like work really hard to get yeah. there. 
I feel like what happened with you, like my perception mm. is as soon as you started actually accepting and embracing your 1, natural size mm-hmm. and what God gave you, yeah. you just elevated into like this whole entire thing. And I remember at the time when things were just massively taking off for you and you got signed mm-hmm. by this amazing agency in New York, but it was like, it was like as a curve model, as yeah. a plus model, which was like, it was like really at the precipice of that whole movement. For sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you are trying to change yourself to fit into someone else's ideal, it's just never going to work. Yeah. You know, my vision and goal of thinking, I want to look like this supermodel. I want to look like this Victoria's Secret angel. Um, I could never be her. And so all I did was just fail over and over again. And just continuing that cycle was never going to get me anywhere. So having and making that decision that there could be another way. Mm -hmm. um, And no one had paved it. No one had shown me what to do. But Sometimes you have to be the representation because I hate that quote where it says you cannot be if you cannot see because I don't believe that, you know, Mm -hmm. we've never seen someone like Barack Obama be president Mm -hmm. and yet he clearly believed that he could do it. So I think having some sort of like delusional ambition of like, I don't see this, but F it, I'm going to go anyway. I guess that's what I felt because I'd seen plus size models in the US, but there still wasn't any industry in the UK. And so when I pitched myself to plus size agencies, they were confused. They were like, but you're not plus size. And I was like, I know, but I'm also not straight size and you won't accept me for either. So how about we just go with what I am right now Mm -hmm. and pitch it to clients? Like, what are you going to (laughs) lose? So I obviously, me and you, again, we both had that business mindset. I had a lot of direct clients. Mm -hmm. So I I got like Tesco's and I was like their sports bra model. And there was a lot of model mayhem and a lot of just connecting on different websites. And so I pitched to models one, hey, I'll give you, 20% of these clients that I already have. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot, but it's better than nothing. So you will already start earning. So it kind of takes the risk off them signing me. And luckily there was a girl, Nicole, who was an agent and she was a curvier black woman. And she was just like, I want to do this with you. I want to push you. I believe in, you know, inclusivity. Um, And it's just ironic because it's always the black woman who has to fight the hardest to get, equality to get inclusion and so the fact that she really believed in us as like curve models in an industry that hadn't really existed yet Mm. it you know that that was powerful so she was fantastic she fought and then um I found out about this agency in New York who again were open-minded they were talking about size inclusivity and I was like they're coming to England I need to meet them I need to like pitch myself and I think that's the difference right I think The modeling industry doesn't teach you to advocate for yourself. They kind of teach you to get beautiful pictures, look after yourself, ideally be as slim as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to get you booked. But they often forget and don't want you to become your own brand and pitch all the other things about yourself. And modeling isn't just about your measurements. Modeling is about showing up early. It's about being effective and efficient, Mm -hmm. getting changed quickly, which sounds really strange, but... Trust me, if you're shooting for a brand like Boohoo, which I used to do back in the day, you would change like 60 times in a day. Oh God, I remember and that. You know, the e-commerce The shoots. e-commerce yeah. world. And that's honestly like 80% of the industry yeah. is e-commerce. Because yeah. think about when you shop, you're mostly shopping online and you see mm-hmm. all those models wearing all those outfits. That's the majority of what the industry is. We think it's 
Bella Hadid walking for Givenchy. It's not. It's not. It's no. those girls who were showing up doing the e-com shoots. And we survived yeah. off that for so long. And they're really long days. They're like 12-hour days. They can you know, be such long days. You're not really getting fed that much. And I think that's something that I've always remembered about you and admired about you is like you really work hard, you know. Mm. And I remember so do you. <laughs> back in the day, like, you know, 10 years ago when we first yeah. met, whatever it was, I remember like you were you were a hustler as well. Thank and I you. know that, you know, for people that might see you with this massive following online and all of this success and these mm. two businesses now, or maybe three businesses, I guess, if you mm. count like the personal, personal brand, brand as well, yeah. people might think, oh, it's probably easy. She probably got spotted by someone. She probably mm. just like got lucky one day and oh, it's easy for her because now she has this audience. Right. And I know that that's not the case because mm. you worked your ass off mm. and I really appreciate that about you. <laughs> and in that same breath, you are now a mom. Yes. Right? You're a mom to a two-year-old angel. <laughs> and I want to know how did your relationship with the hustle shift mm, when you became pregnant question. and became a mom? Because I know it's massively shifted things for me. Oh my gosh. Well, your whole uh, your whole priorities shifted, right? And I don't think I realized how, and I don't, selfish to me isn't a negative word. Um, it just means I was really invested in myself for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And I maybe didn't have time for other people. I think that's why a lot of my relationships failed. I actually vividly remember my ex <laughs> constantly telling me, like, I feel like such low priority. Um, wow. And I'm, I hate that I've made someone feel like that, but I also think I was pretty upfront about how obsessed I was with, you know, growing my career and investing in myself and getting to a place where I know I had financial security for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, because in, that's one of the reasons I felt comfortable having my baby with my partner quite quickly. Mm. You know, we were only together a year because because I knew that I was financially secure. So no matter what happened in our relationship, I knew I could take care of, of a child mm. on my own in a different country. Um, but let's go back to when it shifted. So I, I mean, straight off the bat, I like to goal set a lot and mm -hmm. frequently, and that's why I created the self-funding planner. But how I like to create my goals is often like a target practice. So right in the middle, I have the core, which is very every single day, right? It's like home, health, family. That's the middle. That doesn't really shift ever. Then I create the next ring. And I guess what happens is that never shifted for many, many years. And I felt like I knew exactly what I wanted, what direction I was going. It felt kind of under control mm -hmm. because it was just me driving the car, my life or my career, what you ever want to call it. But then there's a baby. Yep. <laughs> and the baby is is right there. Honestly, not even in the seat next to you, like on like you. On you. Mm -hmm. On you. And um, like the car stops moving when you have a baby. It completely stops and you have to pick a new fuel because the fuel you used before, which was get eight hours of sleep, work out three to four times a week, nourish my body, I now don't have time to sleep. I yeah. now, I'm not nourishing my body the way I would like to because I'm grabbing convenience meals. Mm -hmm. I'm not moving or working out the way I was. So like m the whole car is just not feeling, yeah. uh, you know, as efficient as it was. That's so true. Like I, we used to have this full blown like morning routine of yep. like meditating, working out <laughs> together. And now I'm like sat here and I'm like, I don't remember the last time I actually got to meditate because- mm -hmm. I've got this baby on me all the time. Mm -hmm. And if I take my eyes off him for a second, he needs something. And I, I yeah. it's hard to drop in and do that kind of thing with a baby is. on you. 
And now like our workouts, it's like, we can't work out together. So it's like, you hold the baby while I do 15 minutes. Then you hold the baby while I do 15 minutes. It changes everything. And you know, I I never want to scare people because I don't think it's scary. You Mm -hmm. trust me, you want to spend as much time as you can with your child. That's it. And they become your world. And it Mm -hmm. isn't a negative thing. It's just a huge shift that you have Mm -hmm. to figure out how you're going to navigate. And I think one thing that... um has helping me stay productive is time management in the sense of seeing things as minutes, not as just big ominous chunks. So for example, working out is a good one, right? If I have a busy day and I know I have to drop my child off at 8 a.m., pick them up at 11.45 and I only have that chunk of time in the middle, it's like, okay, that's three hours. 30 minutes of workout, 30 minutes of showering and getting ready and just Mm. breaking up and time managing it. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a Virgo and I'm very like logistical and like to plan. But for me, that has helped. Yeah. Because I think when I used to wake up in the morning and not have that kind of, and it's not essentially every day is scheduled, but it's just allotting and minutes to Uh, a task I guess that Mm -hmm. helps me be more productive than just letting the day flow and then getting to 5 p.m and feeling really unproductive and like I didn't get anything done for myself or my career um and having that guilt I I'm well at least I fitted that 15 minutes in here or think about preparing a a fresh meal rather than grabbing a microwave meal that's going to take me 30 minutes but I can reply to emails while I'm doing that or I think it was just the intentional shift of feeling overwhelmed and feeling out of control and thinking well let me at least control the controllables you know (laughs) yeah it's like how can I be as effective with the small amount of time that I do have yes and I think also you have to shift your relationship with it in terms Mm. of like you're not going to get the same amount of things done necessarily and Mm -hmm. you're not gonna be as um it's just different, right? So like you've almost got to be a lot kinder to yourself in all of that as well. You know, there's been so many days where I don't get anything done on this list that I had done. I'm like, do you know what? All I got done today was feed my baby and be a present mama. And that's more than enough because that's like the most important thing. Absolutely. And it, I just, before you have a baby, you just, you just can't imagine how much time and energy it takes. And Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that, you know, Sean is present with you and Philip was here for me because I think if he had been on the road and traveling and asking me, oh, what did you do today? What have you done? And feed the baby, you know. (laughs) Do the diapers. Do the diapers, try and get the baby to nap. It sounds relaxed, weirdly. It sounds like you're just at home with a cute baby. It just doesn't sound as intense as it is emotionally Mm -hmm. and physically and energy wise. Um, And so I think giving moms grace and not expecting them to be able to do what they did before. And that's how I feel about myself. It's like, okay, I've got this new version of myself. She's probably never gonna be the old Iskra because now she gets to be a mom and that role takes up a percentage of her time, energy, and Mm. just general mindset, right? And I give value to that. I give a lot of value to that. And one kind of me shifting what my idea of success is now is Mm. obviously completely different to before having a child. And so now my idea of success is still having these brands and doing what I love and connecting with the community that I've built. But it's also trying to switch my phone off at 3.30 so I can go to the park with my son because that Mm. is, that feels like success to me. Oh, I love that. You know? Yeah, it really shifts your relationship with like what's important, what deems me as a success. And yeah. for me, it's like, how can I spend as much time at home 
with the baby as possible and focused on the baby, Mm -hmm. you know? Because if I can have my business that's working for me without Mm. me needing to be on it all the time, then I get to be present with my baby at home. Absolutely. But I love that goal of like switching my phone off at 3.30. That sounds like a big ask. Yeah, especially as, you know, he gets older and you have, I guess, more of a structure. Maybe he'll Mm -hmm. go to daycare or school or, Mm -hmm. and so that is just a really, that's a goal for me every day. Yeah. It's like, just get it done. And you know what? If I can't reply to you, it just has to wait. Yeah. I'm curious to know as well, like as someone that's like still, I guess, in the postpartum Mm. phase, like in that first six months, um, how has your relationship with your body been like since becoming a mom? Because you've been someone that's been such a big Mm -hmm. um, speaker and um, promoter of like healthy body image. And I'm sure like when you went through pregnancy and birth, like everything changes again. For sure. I was nervous to get pregnant and see my body change and and expand and grow and Mm. wonder if that would trigger anything. And it 100% didn't. I Mm. honestly felt like the most beautiful goddess in the world during pregnancy. Mm. It was like my favorite time. Um, And I was just in awe of what my body could do. And I also felt responsible to be the best, healthiest, happiest home Mm -hmm. for my child. So there was a lot of affirmations. There was a lot of rest. There was a lot of nourishing food. I think I've eaten fish more in my life than ever. Like it was just a lot of fresh meals and movement. Um, But then what I found was as soon as my baby arrived, I was, the priority to look after myself was non-existent. Mm. I wouldn't even say it was low. I would say it was non-existent because every child is different, but our child cried nonstop and did not sleep. And again, I had this version in my head, my mom told me I never slept. I mean, my mom told me I never cried Mm -hmm. and was a great sleeper and I was super chill. And she gave me this expectation. I'm not blaming on her, but she did give me this expectation. She was like, you and Philip are so chill. You're gonna have such a chill baby. They're never gonna cry. And then out popped (laughs) my little one and it was nonstop crying and no sleep. And it was during COVID. We had no help. No one could come and visit us. And yeah, I felt like I was failing. I was like, what am I doing wrong? How can I fix this? You can't Mm -hmm. fix your child. And of course, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just his body isn't used to being on earth Mm -hmm. and out of my womb. And, you know, his digestive system, I don't think was fully developed yet. And, you know, my milk production wasn't necessarily the most stable. And it was just learning all of that how on earth did I have time to look after myself? Mm -hmm. You just don't. So there was many months that were spent that felt, I felt lost. I'd moved to a new state. I know you can relate to this. New state, no friends or family around, um, no sleep, not enough like nourishment or self-care that was always just very consistent for me. Some med- some form of meditation, some form of movements, a lot of sleep, just yeah. general like I know how to look after myself disappeared. Um, and so that, yeah, that was lonely, even though Philip was right there wanting to help. There's only so much anyone else can do. Mm-hmm. If you can't look after yourself, it is down to you. And unfortunately, my affirmations turned into I'm a mess. Mm. You know, I feel disgusting, like just all these negative things that I'm, I don't say that to myself. I'm like, who am I? Um, So that definitely took, I would say nine months, if I'm honest. Yeah. Nine months to like figure out how to feel myself again. And I think that was like, we were in the thick of the pandemic. Like he was literally born in April 
and lockdown was March. Mm. So even those first nine months to a year, people didn't really want to hang out. People, there wasn't really that much going on. So I think it wasn't until we started seeing friends and I, you know, got more of a mom tribe who were like, oh my goodness, that's absolutely fine to feel like that. Don't feel guilty for being frustrated that your baby cries a lot or try this, try that. Even getting a little bit of time away. Yeah. Having like, you know, the time to go and get a manicure, a pedicure. It sounds so stupid, but. It's a huge it's deal. It's a huge it's deal. It's a huge deal. <laughs> I don't even know, like the last time I left the house by myself. Yeah. You know, it, 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 when you do that, even if it's to just get your nails done or yeah. just go get a coffee by yourself, mm-hmm. it feels like a little vacation. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> It really because you're like, oh, this is how, I, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah. This happened this freedom. before. <laughs> this, yeah, and yeah. I think that the guilt and the shame of like leaving your child or wanting to leave your child, mm-hmm. like, we have to stop that. We have to just yeah. end that right now. And yeah. I think that with my body, I felt comfortable in it still. I knew mm-hmm. it had shifted. I knew it was changed. It was much softer, but I was still grateful for it. And one of my closest friends, Nalintha, she has had, you know, a fertility journey for many, many years and hasn't been able to have a child. Um, and she carried children and unfortunately she lost them. And seeing that was the, the, I mean, I can't not be grateful every single day, even if I feel frustrated, even if, you know, yeah. I sometimes miss my own life. I'm like this, having a child and being able to give birth to a healthy child is the greatest gift on earth yeah it truly is it truly is I I mean mean, our journey with the NICU experience and having Sky early really showed us just how huge a deal it is to carry and deliver a healthy baby deliver get yeah. through the first year like there's just it's just yeah. so much my my dad it's a lot actually on your nervous system as well my dad's one of 10 and he lost one of his sisters and she was two weeks old mm. you know they cut the umbilical cord wrong there is just wow you have to give yourself like whew, we yeah. we've been fighting for this child ever since the day they were conceived yeah to make sure that they yeah. are healthy and that they are loved um and so for me again it wasn't I wasn't feeling a negative relationship with my body. It just was not priority. Yeah. Um, and it, but I was still grateful. Totally. And so um, I think where I'm at now is I'm ready to find out what like my new strong is, find out what my new motivations are. Mm-hmm. And that's been a fun journey of rediscovery. Um, mm-hmm. And I want all moms to know that you can rediscover yourself and yeah. the old you is still there, but she's just like a, been added to yeah you know I I like that it definitely feels like an upgrade Mm -hmm. rather than like a completely new version of you yes and I feel like it really puts things into perspective when we think about how grateful we are to have Mm. a healthy alive baby Mm -hmm. when we're like looking in the closet and like 90% of our stuff doesn't fit anymore which is kind of where I'm at at the moment I'm four months postpartum and I'm like oh I kind of imagined that things would fit again by now mm. and most things don't. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I've got to go out and buy a bunch of new stuff. Absolutely. And yeah. it's like, okay, do you know what? It's really not the priority. It's like it not the end of the yeah. world if things don't fit anymore. Obviously my body looks totally different than before I had, before mm-hmm. I got pregnant. Yeah. But I look at this baby on me and I'm like, this is the best thing ever. So 
yeah, the how the body looks is not, it's just not the priority anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame that we have been raised in a society that has shown images of women and said, yeah, and only congratulated them if they snap back. Yeah. You know, there's, there was never, and I think that's why social media can be an empowering place because hopefully you see us or you see other women who are very comfortable and confident in these postpartum bodies because for so long we weren't shown that and we were shown that, if your body changes and you put on weight or your body isn't as strong looking, whatever it might be, you've let yourself go. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, maybe we've just focused on something more important to us, like our mm-hmm. children. Yeah. So I think that that narrative is so important for us to talk about. And for anyone listening who is afraid to have a child, because that's what one thing that was beautiful in the comments. I got so many women who had obviously had an eating disorder and they said, I have been afraid of getting pregnant because I've been worried it will trigger my eating disorder or I've been worried about my body changing. Mm. And I was like, you cannot put having a child on hold for that. Yeah, It's gonna be the most wonderful, beautiful thing in life. And it's only gonna teach you more about yourself, right? Yeah. Like I think yeah. having my, like my child and seeing him develop and figuring out his personality and how he engages with others and socializes. And right now he's in an intense phase, I think. <laughs> They say terrible twos. I mean, you don't want to call it terrible twos. It's like big emotional twos. Let's Aww. call it that. Because they're apparently it's very mirrored with teenage years. Mm. Like this plane of development comes again when they're teenagers because they are starting to essentially have the concept that they are a human being contributing mm-hmm. to society. Where do I fit in? Who am I? What are my boundaries? You know, what am I in control of? What am I not? And yeah. so going from a baby where we're just changing their diaper on and off. They don't really have a say. He now has a say. He can push us. He can run away. Mm-hmm. You know, like He can say, no, I want underpants. And that brings on big emotions because he's like, well, it's not fair. Sometimes you let me go and make my own snack. Other times you tell me I have to eat this. So we're going through that intense emotional phase right now. And it's just so mm-hmm. funny because the, when people say it's mirrored at teenage years, it makes so much sense. Yeah. Because they're figuring out how to be adults. Mm-hmm. So he's figuring out how to be a human right now, like a toddler. And then they figure out how to be adults when they're older. And again, they do the same thing. They push the boundaries. They rebel. They lash out at their parents. I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got so much, yeah. <laughs> so much to come. Hi guys. If you are an entrepreneur listening to this episode and you would like my eyes on your business for an entire year of mentorship, then I'm here to let you know that applications are now open for the Queendom, which is my year long counsel and mastermind for business, love, life, and legacy. So if you are passionately growing your business and you are a leader, a powerhouse, and you're ready to relate to your business in a beautiful, healthy, feminine way and grow your impact, then join us. You can go to melwells.com slash queendom to apply. I'm taking on 13 female entrepreneurs in 2023 to mentor for the entire year. And also we have two beautiful retreats included in that year. So if that interests you, you can go to the link in the show notes, melwells.com slash queendom. And of course, this is a year long mentorship. So this is not for brand new entrepreneurs. This is for people who have been on the journey for a little while. So can't wait, hope you apply and we'll see you there. Let's get back into the episode. It's funny because like we, we're talking about like body image and like how we how our relationships with our bodies are different. Mm. And then 
it's like obvious to me in the way that you're answering the question. It's like, it's just not the priority anymore because you've got a two-year-old and their development is the priority. And I think I just want to share that I look at my body now and I've got this scar from the Mm -hmm. C-section and I love it because I'm like, that was where my baby came from. It like empowers me, makes me feel like, you know, I did this. Mm. I did this. I'm so proud of that. Yeah. And my boobs look different. And I'm like, do you know what? They f- they're feeding my baby right now. Yeah. Like, that's so important. Mm-hmm. Like, could there be a more important job for my body than carrying and feeding my baby? And the other day I brought a dress out to, to wear and it, I thought, oh, this is definitely going to fit me yeah. because I bought it when I was um, four months pregnant. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is for sure going to fit me now didn't fit didn't do up the back Mm. and I was like oh damn and I said to Sean like I really thought this was gonna fit and he was like babe like you're mum hot now you were hot then now you're mum hot and (laughs) I was like I will take that it's a different kind of hot it's a mum hot bod mum hot bod so embracing the mum hot bods Mm -hmm. so wanted to ask you as well kind of shifting gears slightly Mm -hmm. you've gone through this massive change in your life motherhood gone from being this you know, amazing, like curve model influencer, still doing all of that, but now as a mom Mm. and very much in the public eye, I mean, people think that I have a big audience. You've got what, 5 million people watching and following Mm. along with what what you're up to in the world. I wanna know as someone with such a large community Mm. and audience, what are the highs and the lows of that? Cause I can imagine it's very intense on your personal life. Yet, um, the hardest part is the responsibility aspect. And I've definitely um, removed myself a little bit from that. But Mm -hmm. there was a time when, you know, I worked with a brand who their official title for me was role model. I remember. And I don't, I I don't think I realized what toll that would take on me because I just, I had this responsibility to 5 million people to be their role model and that's really difficult. Yeah. Um, and especially at the time when cancel culture was at its high, I feel like it's maybe calmed down a little bit, but cancel culture and it was just terrifying because I literally thought if I F this up, I lose everything, mm. you know, and everything that I'd worked for, which wasn't a platform. I hadn't worked to build a big social media following originally. I'd worked to break into the modeling industry as myself, not try and change myself. So it was a side effect that content that I created about my journey about modeling had gone viral. I didn't even know what viral was when it happened. It was the video where I flicked off a troll that (laughs) went viral to, and it was something like 800 million people had seen it. It was on like CNN and all this stuff because again, the thing is with viral, you don't know when it's gonna happen, but it's genuinely when you do the most random stuff (laughs) and you know someone had trolled me I think it was just at the beginning of people even knowing what trolling was Mm -hmm. and so I'd like talked about the comment given the person a middle finger and posted this video and it just resonated with people so that began this like trickle effect of then people just expecting a certain you know me to show up for every single cause under the sun any every single type of person and country and of of course I have empathy for everyone but I don't necessarily always have the information or I'm not necessarily always equipped to be the spokesperson for every single cause and so I found that was really tiring and again that sounds really privileged because there are people and it was often you know 
big mass events around the world and people be like, why aren't you speaking about this? Or why aren't you talking about this? And I'm like, I'm trying, yeah. I'm just trying to get the information correct. But I, also you're human. You yeah. Know? Like it's not our job to speak up about every single thing I was, that's going I'm on in the world. Yeah. I'm not a news outlet. I'm not a news outlet. I kept telling me, I'm like, I'm not a news outlet. And, and like, I do care. And so um, I think that that was tricky because it felt like I had to show publicly everything I was doing to not even get the accolades, but just not get the the hate for not mm, doing anything. And wow. it was like, that's backwards. Because I, I tell people a lot, you don't just have an impact if you have a platform. Mm -hmm. Some of the most important impact you can do is someone who doesn't even have social media, but is kind to someone that's walking down the street. Mm -hmm. You will impact their day by just spreading some kindness. And so I think when you have this major platform and you're expected to continuously have impact and you know publicly do stuff, it is pretty exhausting. Um, and one of the greatest things was traveling and meeting people. Um, and that for me felt so much more intimate. And so mm. I think I haven't grown apart from social media because I still do it and I show up every single day, but I crave more of that like intimate community moments mm. in like in person. Um, and I want to get back to that and trying to figure out how to navigate that with a child where yeah. it's not so easy and we are still facing COVID. It's not like fully over, but I think that's the balance, right? Of like having a big social media presence, but remembering the most important interactions sometimes are the small, intimate, real life ones. Yeah. And yeah, just continuously, I, I try to continuously tell people I'm not perfect. Mm -hmm. Please don't think I am. Yeah. Please don't make me your role model. You be your role model. You can be inspired by me. You can be uplifted by me. You can mm -hmm. learn stuff from me, whatever you want, but please just don't put that on me or expect that from yourself because you're probably going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. As amazing as you think anyone is, they aren't perfect. Yeah. So, you know, really you can be your only role model, I think. Yeah, I think there's like this tendency to assume that people with millions of followers somehow have the perfect life or have mm -hmm. more of their shit together in all aspects of life more Agreed. than you do and have to be your role model. Yeah. And it's just not the case. I mean, it there's plenty of people as well that that have huge platforms and we see they're like really struggling with mental health. Absolutely. And a lot of times because of the because and of how many people And it can make you more like, lonely. You know, yeah. one of the things I've noticed is being in this industry and I've removed myself by coming to Austin, right? Austin is this beautiful hub of wonderful people who are still motivated, who are still going after what they want, wanting to make impact, mm -hmm. but they remove themselves. Philip would call it the, the effery. Um, I really struggled to swear as my parents really got that in my head when I was younger, <laughs> but um, it's just that the other side of it, like mm -hmm. I felt I enjoy going to Los Angeles for work, but I don't believe I could live there long-term because mm. I do worry that people are so focused on the fame side of it. It's not actually about doing what you love. It's about getting the attention for doing what you're doing, if that yeah. makes sense. A lot of my friends who stay in that realm where they're only surrounded by people who are financially benefiting off them, turn around one day and they're like is anyone here because they care about me or yeah. are you only here because I'm the hamster in the spinning wheel and you yeah. need the wheel to keep spinning and so I've seen that over and over again with highly successful people that's what society would call highly successful people who are really lonely who don't know if the people around them are there for you know sincere reasons because they care about them or just because they need them to keep on going because it keeps mm -hmm. the lights on mm -hmm. so um i think removing yourself and realigning with what your new season is right mm -hmm. like every 
every year I think I check in with myself and I do my target practice of goals, but it's also just a a redefinition of like what I want from this year. I try and pick it like a word or a phrase or something that is going to carry me through the year. And I think this year was definitely the execution year, which is maybe a negative word. But for me, it was like, I've had so many ideas during COVID and I was working on stuff. 2022 was like, I'm executing. I'm getting these things done. They're going out into the world. I'm not afraid. Like, Mm. even if I fall flat on my face, which I've done many, many, many times, it's just time to do this. And so next year, I would like to say is going to be my year of, I guess I, I kind of feel like I rediscovered myself, but I still feel like I'm about to shift gears into like things are out in the world. And now I have a chance to really say I'm enjoying this, not enjoying this. I want to focus more on this. So maybe like realignment will be next year's word. Oh, love that. Realignment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of like money, I know you're really passionate about yes. empowering women around money and specifically investing and self-funding. Mm-hmm. You have the self-funding planner, I do. which we will link in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Where did this all come from and what are your best tips and advice for right. women starting to think about financial empowerment. Mm. I feel like we're similar in the sense of we did come from, you know, more remote place in England where mm-hmm. um, I saw my family, my parents started their own businesses when I was older and they always worked for people. We always lived in Kidderminster, stayed in the same town. My dad's one of 10. Um, and I saw my parents take a risk and it wasn't for a huge financial payoff. It was just for flexibility and for freedom for my mom not to have to go to work and work for someone she didn't like, but to be able to work from home and be flexible with her hours. And so I witnessed that and I thought that to me seems like success. It seems like having flexibility and having financial freedom is something that is really beneficial to people's peace and joy and being able to have a family. So I think I took that on board early on. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, I was always ambitious and I knew that Kidderminster could not serve me for the dreams and goals I had. So I knew I had to live in London or in my mind, I always dreamt of New York. And so again, you need money to be able to do that. So my dad taught me from a young age, maybe about 10, maybe even younger than that, to save 20% of everything. Birthday cards. If you get 10 pounds in your birthday card, you've got to save at least 20%. And that mindset really helped me to understand the value of money and be patient with money. Mm -hmm. I think we do live in a world and I fear for Gen Z in the sense of, Everything seems so automatic now and instantaneous. And with growing wealth, it's not. And I think that's why crypto is so, so tricky to navigate. And Philip was in crypto in a big way in COVID. And we lost, gosh, probably 80% of like long-term savings when it dipped down. And, you know, that was, that hurt his ego. But for me, I was like, but that's because everyone was looking for these instantaneous wins. And for me, growing your wealth is over a lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, it's what I'm doing now is impacting me in 10 years and is 20 years. And so I think if you have that mindset of understanding, it's not going to be instantaneous, but it will be worth it. Mm -hmm. And saving that those small amounts adds up. Obviously, there's compound interest, which is a huge, huge benefit to starting young. If you're investing $100 into a savings account or a Roth IRA, that is going to compound over the years. So you've got your $100, I don't know, let's just exaggerate to make it easy. It turns into $200 the next year. Mm-hmm. Then you've got 200 
So that's going to go to 400 and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. So I think that was a really important thing I learned early. But I also learned that diversifying your portfolio was important because in modeling, I learned that diversifying my portfolio mm, was important. Like having multiple different streams of revenue. Yes, because mm-hmm. we were in an industry that, and again, I, it happened during COVID. I had a client for seven years. I had a contract for seven years, which was unheard of. And then COVID happened and it got cut mm-hmm. just like that. If I hadn't had other streams of income, yeah. I could not have paid my mortgage. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, again, I, again, I, if I hadn't been saving and if I didn't have other streams of income, because, you know, I did have equity in homes and in property. Mm-hmm. So for me, that goes in any career. You could lose yeah. your job tomorrow. You've yeah. got to have emergency funds in a savings account. You have to be thinking about other ways to place your equity. Mm-hmm. If that's land or property, if that's something you're, I think you should be interested in it, right? I think you should yeah. have an interest in the things you want to invest in. I think that when you're looking at stocks, you know, and potentially crypto world, but I don't want to not recommend it because we have done it and we are still investing in crypto, but it's volatile. Mm-hmm. I think that establishing a more, secure safe investment first is best and i think if you have leftover funds you do not mind losing then you could dabble in crypto got it so we've got diversify your revenue streams and absolutely where your coming from mm-hmm. save 20 percent. save 20 percent. and third piece of advice would be research different types of investments if it's mm. property if it's you know stocks bonds you know, different types of accounts like Roth IRAs, speak to your employer, see if they're matching any kind of like retirement fund. As there's so many things in America that you have to learn that do not happen in the UK. Mm-hmm. And there's certain types of companies that will give you and match you. So for example, my dad's friend, Jeff, who lives in LA, he had a company and whatever he put into his retirement fund while he was working, they would match it. And so say if he managed to put in 20 grand to his retirement fund every year they were they were matching that he was Mm -hmm. getting forty thousand dollars in a retirement fund and think about the compound interest on that if you're doing that at the age of 30 by the time you retire i mean he was able to buy his son uh i think it was a 1.2 million dollar house in cash from just this chunk of money from those original savings so it's being smart with your money it's diversifying your portfolio and it's also seeing what you're interested in. The things with stocks, it's great, is mm-hmm. you can basically invest in whatever you like. So for me, I was really excited when Beyond Meat came out and I was like, wow, these burgers, they almost taste <laughs> like real meat. This is cool. Let me go and put, and it wasn't a ton, right? Like $200, $300 in Beyond Meat because I think that that was something I enjoy doing and why not to also support them? So I think... Finding the fun in finance is important. Mm. It shouldn't be, well, it's sometimes hard for it not to feel heavy and scary and overwhelming, but I'm telling you there are free resources online. Go and ask people for advice, especially older people, right? Who have maybe had made mistakes and will say like, oh, avoid doing that. I wish I'd done this. Talk to people, be open. And I think finance is... People are scared to talk about money. People are scared to talk about what they earn. I think it can Mm. be really beneficial. Even if you get together with your girls and you're like, hey, can we talk about like what savings we're doing? You know, what type of accounts, what our long-term goals are, Mm -hmm. where we're now, where we want to be in 10 years. Like, can we just like give each other some ideas or like try some things together? Like that's, that's a really great way of doing it. I love that. 
And that leads me on to the newest <laughs> business that you have, Saltair. Yes. I want to know what was the vision and the idea behind Saltair and how is it how is it different running a product-based business than oh service-based business? Because it just feels like two completely different worlds. It's so different. And I know we talked about exhaustion before of having a platform and kind of having to show up. I definitely didn't know what exhaustion was until I owned my own company, which again has employees and has every single day, you know, everything going on, distribution, manufacturing, sales. So it began during COVID when I talked to you about my... And they call it the baby blues, right? Mm -hmm. I, I don't believe it was postpartum depression. I'm not ashamed, maybe it was, but there was a time when I stopped showering. There was a time when I did not want to get dressed and I felt like a mess. And me and Philip were like figuring out how to get myself out of this funk. And I was like, well, it's so weird because I'm getting excited about skincare and makeup because I was still getting PR packages. And I was like, there's all these brands that are like so innovative, so cool. I was like, body care is just boring. <laughs> you know, I just grab the same thing when I go into a store, whatever's on offer. Or if I get a PR package and I do find a really interesting product, maybe it's super skincare focused and has really been helping with my lumps and bumps on my arms. I remember one scrub I looked to go and rebuy and it was $55 for like a small thing of scrub. And I was like, I got through this easily in three, four weeks. I'm not gonna spend $55 a month on one product. So I started just thinking that, is there a way to get me excited to look after myself? And luckily at the same time, I had a connection with um, a PR woman called Juliana, who's still our PR for Saltaire. And she was like, hey Iskra, I actually know this beauty incubator. He's this incredible man who helps founders basically turn their ideas into reality. And do you have any ideas? And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been really wanting to do this body care concept that I've been trying to think of. And she goes, amazing, let me connect you. So we have this Zoom and you, you don't know what to expect. And again, I've been like promised the world by people and I've had tons of business offers of like slapping my name on something mm. and just getting 20% of, you know, royalties or whatever it might be. And I sat with him and he was like, I've done a lot of research on you. I know exactly who you are. And, um, I believe that there is a white space in body care too. I was like, I know. I was like, I walked down the aisle of Target and I do not get excited, but skincare and makeup, it's its amazing. It's colorful, it's bright. It's like, I'm like eating with my eyes before I'm even testing the products. And he was like, I'm from Thailand. And my background is that my mom was a single mom. And the only joy she kind of got, all the way she found herself every single morning and set herself up for the day was her, like beauty routine, putting on her lotions and perfumes so she smelled good and then putting on like her mascara. And he said, I watched her do that every day before she did her three different jobs. So mm -hmm. he said, my passion is helping women feel empowered mm -hmm. and feel their best selves and providing products that are accessible so that people, anyone can feel that way. He's from the middle of Ohio. I was like, wow, this is so, this is just like completely aligned with what I want. And I don't know how we're gonna do it, but it needs to be affordable. I was like, but it needs to be beautiful. And one thing that I'd seen in the fashion industry was a lot of times when something was size inclusive or just inclusive in general, it didn't feel aesthetically elevated. Mm -hmm. It sometimes felt like um, with plus size campaigns and even brands, they didn't invest in quality of advertising and these beautiful campaigns the way that straight size, more exclusive brands did. So I was like, okay, 
this is the concept. It's going to be elevated, but accessible. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like contradictory. It was like, it's going to be bright and powerful, but sustainable. Mm -hmm. Because again, I think a lot of sustainable brands were going like the eco route where it looked kind of minimalist, earthy and minimalist. I was like, I want to be bright. I want it to stand out. I want people to be excited, like see it with their eyes and want to put it on their body. Mm. And I want to lean into fragrance at a time where everyone was staying away from it because people, well, brands had been fear mongering that fragrance was bad. There's some fragrances that of course can cause issues and irritations with your skin. But in general, if you're using safe synthetics or botanicals that are completely natural, that's going to be safe for your skin. So again, I did not do this alone. And I think there's such a, there's a misconception when the girl boss movement happened for myself included that you had to do absolutely everything and you would be completely burnt out and you're not necessarily good at everything. And I think like for people listening to this, episode they're Mm. probably like wow like Ishka's doing so much Mm. you know there's so many different things that Mm. are going on in her life and she's a Mm. mum and I think that's a really important point to make is that you do have a support team I do you have a lot of people helping you out Mm -hmm. and yes like you are managing things and you are the boss of a lot of things but that doesn't mean that you're doing it all by yourself I'm not I do not post on Salter's Instagram there is no there is a (laughs) social team there is a mark you know we have Hayley that's marketing who's killing it that we have Emily who is like our SEO girl who's helping us make sure we're up there on Google and getting Mm -hmm. you know sales to go across to Amazon and then we have an Amazon agency that's helping Mm -hmm. us get because listen I have a second brand self-funding which is more of that like girl boss thing where I was like I'm and it's not because I felt like I had to prove it I was just so intrigued yeah I was like can I figure this all out myself so that was again during the pandemic when I lost essentially my job I had the contract that was 50 to 60 days a year of work for a brand mm-hmm. it ended mm-hmm. and so I had this time to, and I was like oh I've always wanted to know what it was like to run a business so there's a difference between founding and owning a business and a brand and running it and being the CEO it's two mm-hmm. very different things and Solterre and self-funding are structured completely differently self-funding is a tiny weenie brand that I'm not don't want to say using as a guinea pig because it's not I do want it to be community-based but I'm not after sales honestly I really thinking about turning it into a non-profit um, and using it as a way to donate supplies to people who need it because the planner is really wonderful for productivity and planning and I think that's the route I want to take I just Mm -hmm. haven't learned enough about nonprofits yet and everyone's told me it's complicated especially if you're not a citizen Mm -hmm. we're on green cards so wow yeah (laughs) Solterra I have a lot of people helping me Mm -hmm. and even though I have to keep the ship afloat and I you know the visible founder and face I could not do that business because that is a business that we're scaling to transact after about four or five years Mm -hmm. and I want to stay on obviously but I will definitely sell some equity I will uh, negotiate what that looks like maybe I only do one day a week Mm -hmm. you know and and it's very much like just one day a week I'm in meetings and you know working on Solterre and the rest of it but right now obviously it's every single day and one thing that is tricky is I'm not getting enough sleep. <laughs> I was going to say you're doing all of this yeah. as a new mom, which I think is just, you're obviously like just have so many different things going on. Mm-hmm. And obviously you do have a big support team mm-hmm. helping you with it, but you're doing it in front of a big audience as well. So just to wrap everything up, mm. you, I want to go back to something that you brought up, which was next year is going to be about realignment. Yes. Can you just share like, 
what does realignment mean to you and mm. what does that look like for you? Mm. So like I said, I'm working on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. What happens is when you open a new door, you tend to close another one. Um, and I think what I'm learning from is not being scared of social media being everything for me. Um, there was a time and a place where I only relied on that for our income and my sense of self-worth as well, I think, Mm. because, you know, I was so worried that if that disappeared, what do I have? And and I have to, I have to get that out of my head because I still did all of those things regardless. And if Instagram got deleted tomorrow, I still accomplished all those things and I still, you know, made all that, that impact. And so my realignment is just not being afraid Um, And therefore really choosing instead what I'm creating, what I'm putting out, where I'm focusing my energy. So right now I've lived in fear the last two years. I think of like, I got to get these brands off the ground right now while I have a platform. I have to do this right now because, and I have, I did it. Okay. And now I'm in this process of obviously being in the grind, head down, making them take off and they are taking off. So I think the realignment next year is just like, don't make choices out of fear anymore. Mm-hmm. really think about what have you enjoyed this year take that in and then release all the other crap that you don't want to do anymore and that hasn't served you or that you know you used and you benefited on and now you're just continuing to move forward and investing your energy realigning in what is mm. for you and what is going to serve you next year and what is going to bring you joy I love that and I think like as a new mama myself it's like they <laughs> force you to constantly re-examine and mm-hmm. re-imagine your life and look at what's a priority exactly. and anything that's that you're doing that's filling your time up mm. is taking you away from them it so has to be like, worth it you've got to keep reimagining and re-examining and especially because they're just growing so fast mm. I know everyone oh says god, it no, every mom is like they grow so fast d- but until, oh my god yeah they grow so fast and it's like every stage that they're at they they jump, they leap, and it's like a whole new world. And they will require <laughs> something different from yeah, you, right? Exactly. Like your child right now needs you to breastfeed, yep. needs you to hold them physically. Mm-hmm. I'm at the stage where my child requires me to, wherever we are, I have to literally be ready to sprint after him because mm-hmm. he will run off and <laughs> oh he will God. find it hilarious. He will Looking forward to that chapter. be able to unlock the front door and just run out onto the street. Wow. So it's like, even though he will independently play, I'm still like, Am I about to have to save his life because he's about to get run over? Like, it's just, I live in this constant panic mode, I feel like now. Before it was like, oh, I would love some freedom and space. I do have freedom and space because he'll go and independently play. But simultaneously, all of a sudden, he's got a box of matches. You know, like, it's just, wow. oh my goodness. (laughs) Wow, that sounds terrifying. (laughs) But for people that don't already follow you and are part of your world, how can people come and be a part of the planet of Ishka on the internet? Oh, thank you. So you can actually check out mine and my partner's podcast, mm. which is called Couple-ish. Um, we're getting Mel and Sean on there. So, Ooh, so we'll make sure to that. tell you when that episode's out. It's going to be a really fun one. Um, mm. And then on Instagram, I am at Iskra, I-S-K-R-A. Same on TikTok. And honestly, probably don't bother anywhere else. <laughs> I feel like TikTok is where I'm really enjoying creating content right now. So mm. probably see you on there. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you Ishka. so much I love for your time. being a part of your journey. And yeah. Here's to more memories. Here's to more motherhood <laughs> and realignment. Mm. 
So I really hope you loved this episode. If you enjoy listening to this show, I would love if you would leave us a review. And really exciting, you can now have your question answered by me on this show live by sending in a voice note to the show. So you will have the option to have this message completely anonymous too, but it's going to be like getting mini coaching from me on air. So if you want to take part in this, I would love to do this with you. So go to the link in the show notes and you'll know exactly what to do. So thank you so much.